Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Danielle Lois, and I will be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. What I mean is this, the one who sows a small number of seeds will also reap a small crop, and the one who sows a generous amount of seeds will also reap a generous crop. Everyone should give whatever they have decided in their heart. They shouldn't give with hesitation or because of pressure. God loves a cheerful giver, and God has the power to provide you with more than enough of every kind of grace. That way, you will have everything you need always and in everything to provide more than enough for every kind of good work. As it is written, he scattered everywhere. He gave to the needy, his righteousness remains forever. The one who supplies seed for planting and bread for eating will supply and multiply your seed and will increase your crop, which is righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. Danielle, thank you so much for reading our scripture for us today. So today brings us to week five in a six-week series that we have called Path to Contentment. We've been talking about attitudes and practices that God calls us to that help us on our journey to becoming more content and more hopeful people as Christians. And so we've aligned these messages with an idea of stewardship. And, and indeed, money is a part of stewardship, but on a grander scale, we believe that stewardship is what we do in our lives after we say yes to God, after we say yes to Jesus as Savior and Lord of our lives. And so the last few weeks, we've talked about things like compassion and abundance, simplicity, and self-control. As we acknowledge that all of, all of life is a gift from God, and so then we are given the opportunity to manage, to steward those things that have been given to us. So today, we're going to talk about generosity. So yes, we get to talk about money. Pastor Jeff picked a great day to go out of town, it seems. Um, he was kind enough. He's actually in Lubbock. He did not go only to cheer on my Red Raiders to victory last night. He was there at that game, um, but he has gone to see his mother. And so he and Mary will be traveling back today. But before you close your ears and tune me out, since I said we're talking about money, I would submit to you today that it's important and reasonable to talk about money at church. Now, there are two reasons that I believe that. The first and the most important is that Jesus talked about money a lot. But the second is because money is a part of our lives. It's a big part of our lives, and we know that God cares about every aspect of our lives as human beings. And so I would ask you this morning not to hear this as a money sermon, but rather as words of encouragement to us as we offer our best to God. Now, this is something that I'm, I'm very, very passionate about. Um, if you know me, you know that I love numbers. I love spreadsheets. I won't submit, uh, subject that to you today, but um, I have an accounting degree. That's what I used to do um, in my former life. But more importantly, I want people to be financially healthy. 
so that they can be generous and experience the fullness of God's joy in their life. So this is less about wanting something from you and more about wanting something for you. Over the last few weeks, I've been leading a wonderful study with a brand new resource called Saving Grace. And I can say to you with confidence that just in the first three weeks of that study, they have been life-giving and life-changing for those who are participating in that group. Because together, we're learning how to bring our financial lives in line with our faith journey. I will likely lead that study again in early 2022. And so if that's something that may interest you after the first of the year, keep that in mind. Let me know. I would be glad to have you. But Jesus and the Bible talk a fair amount about money. And the reason is that our wallets are connected to our hearts. It's sort of a a cause and effect situation, this idea of sowing and reaping. Paul talks about this in his letters. And so we just heard six verses that Danielle read from 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. And in those verses, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. This was a church that was brand new. And so he devotes actually two chapters of this letter to collecting money for the poor who lived in Jerusalem. Now, it's sometimes said that chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians are the most extensive discussion of fundraising that you'll find in the New Testament. So Paul had made this agreement with leaders among Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, that he would then go and collect an offering from the Gentile churches that he had started. And so that's what's going on here. It was going to be an act of generosity for sure, but also a demonstration of unity among Jewish and, and Gentile believers. So he mentions these neighboring churches in Macedonia, how much they had already given, how generous they had been. And so really what he's doing is he's commending the generosity of faith communities especially in times that may have been difficult. So he talks about sowing and reaping. Now, that was an agricultural principle that would have appealed to ancient hearers that he was speaking to. But, like I said, it's a cause and effect relationship. And so money is a blessing from God if it leads us to a place of generosity. The text says that God has the power to provide everything That we need. And so that brings us to a place of contentment in our lives, independence from excess, which we talked about a few weeks ago. So the cycle looks something like this God gives generously, and then we give generously. And as that happens, righteousness increases and the harvest increases. And so God's grace within our lives is what makes us generous. If you look at verse 7, it specifically speaks to the Spirit in which we give. So let's think for just a minute about this cheerful giver business that we hear about a lot. So when we give, what is our attitude? Are we joyful? Are we appreciative? Do we have an excited anticipation about us? Because joyful generosity is probably something that we all could stand to practice a little bit more. Not just going through the motions, but practicing to become better and better. And as that happens, our attitudes will begin to change. Because it's not just about how much we have, it's more about how we manage what we have. Some of you may be familiar with Dave Ramsey. He um, is a financial guru, financial expert type of guy. And he's famous for saying that more money will not make you happier, 
More money will only make you more of what you already are. So how do we define a generous giver? What does that mean? Well, I would say a generous giver is one who gives with an obedient will, a joyful attitude, and a compassionate heart. But I think that there are two primary things in our own human nature that cause us to hesitate when it comes to generosity. The first is fear. The idea that if I give, there may not be enough left for me. And so, in some cases, it leads us to hoard what we do have. And then the other is self-gratification. If I give, I won't have enough to buy the stuff that I think I need to be happy. And so we see that giving requires that we have to trust God to supply our needs. But I believe that generosity can actually be learned. And, and perhaps there are four different stages of giving. At first, giving may feel like a chore. Not something terribly joyful, not something we really want to do. Gradually, it will become a habit, a new normal for us in our lives. Then it becomes a priority. And finally, it becomes a hunger within us, a need. And so instead of asking the question, how much of my money should I give to God's work, perhaps we could ask, how much of God's money do I need to keep to live on? Now, when God tells us to give out of abundance, we are not being called to irresponsibility. That is not God's desire for us with our finances. We give what we can, but as we evaluate that amount, we think about how many times we go out to eat during the week. How many times do we go get coffee? How much money do we spend on stuff or entertainment? How many times a week does the Amazon Prime van stop at our house? Because our gifts should reflect the richness of the blessings that we've received. We give until it feels right, when we know that God is pleased with our hearts. Because the value of our gift is not so much in the amount, but in the honor that we place in our relationship with God by giving willingly. So why do we give? Why is generosity important? Why are we talking about this? Well, giving is a thankful response to God's goodness in our lives. It's a way of honoring Jesus and all that we received first from him, as well as his sacrifice for us. Pastor Adam Hamilton did a study um, not too long ago on the practice of worship in the Bible, spanning 1,600 years of human history. And what he found was the primary means of worship is not singing praise songs or listening to sermons. The primary means of worship was building an altar and offering the fruits of your labor to God. Now, that has taken on different forms, of course, as human history has evolved, but still, offerings are an important form of worship. Our gifts to the church are not financial transactions. They are not business deals. They are ways of, of us saying thank you and I love you to God. Giving mirrors God's generous nature. We are created in God's very image, and so our spiritual DNA is embedded with a bent toward being generous. Giving is part of our discipleship. It's part of God's grace that we carry within us. And so when we choose to put our faith in Christ, generosity then becomes a fruit of spiritual growth in our lives. Giving is a privilege entrusted to us by God. We are handling God's assets. And we are then entrusted to make good choices with them. 
We are caretakers of all that we receive from God. And so living as good stewards brings more joy to us than thinking that everything belongs to us. And finally, giving aligns us with God's purpose and transforms us. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so we are transformed by putting our money where it matters. Giving our treasure to the place that we want our heart to be. And so as we give to what matters to God, we begin to care more and more about things that matter to God. It doesn't mean that we're paying for our salvation. It means that we're allowing God to use money to help us become fully alive and bring God's dreams to life. And so as we glorify God and honor God with our giving, our money becomes a tool. It becomes a tool to deepen our relationship with God, and it allows the world to receive the blessings of God's love that we have received. And so once we're able to give God control of our finances and be generous, then we can experience more freedom and joy that God intends for us. So if I went around today and asked every one of you, why do you give? I would bet that the primary answer would sound something like, to fund the ministry of the church. That is not a wrong answer because, of course, we are incredibly grateful for all of the gifts that you give to Stonebridge, but I want to encourage us to look at it a little bit differently. What if the primary reason that all of us give is because we have an encounter with God about our money and then the church becomes the beneficiary? Meaning, God does something within our hearts that's profound, and then we choose Stonebridge as the recipient of our giving. Do you see the difference? Because the greatest joy is really in seeing what happens within each other when we give. And so I want you to hear something very important. Generosity always begins with our need to give, not the church's need to receive. I'll say it again. Generosity always begins with our need to give, not the church's need to receive. So a question to consider today is, how do you want to reflect the riches of God's grace through your commitment to the church? Sometimes in our church life, we're inclined to think about what we give or what we gain as opposed to what we give. So it's easy to slip into this sort of personal cost-benefit analysis of the church, So what was my laugh-to-yawn ratio during the sermon today? Or did the worship team's rendition of a certain song meet my needs? Or should I drink the coffee that the hospitality team offers, or should I stick with Starbucks? Friends, the vision of the church goes as far as the generosity of God's people. Our vision at Stonebridge is that we seek to be a joyful community that strives to live and love like Jesus. So the leaders of the church set the vision, yes, but the church sets the pace in large part with their giving. We all have a part to play in the body of Christ because as followers of Jesus, we're all in this together. So what if we began to approach our giving as then living toward that vision? Now, God understands where you are. God understands your family, your financial situation, and is pleased when you give freely with a grateful heart. But how are 
you managing the financial gifts that God has given to you? When we talk about things like commitment cards or estimates of giving, what we're really talking about there is spiritual growth and our relationship to God as we serve in God's mission. Now, maybe you have never submitted an estimate of giving or a commitment card. Maybe you've never given to the church at all. It is never too late to start. And so I would invite you to make today the day that you do that. We can all consider proportional giving. What is proportional giving? Well, that means that we give a set percentage of our income with a 10% tithe as the goal, and we grow it each year. So if 10% is not realistic now for you, you can grow toward a tithe. So yesterday I went back and I looked at my own giving patterns since 2010, okay, so for the last 11 years. And what I remembered as I was looking through those numbers is I started in 2010, I was giving before that, but in 2010 I made a commitment to give at 5%. And every year since then, my giving has grown steadily. So my message to you is it's okay if 10% is not a reality for you today. But financial generosity requires intentionality. Requires intentionality. And so some practical notes regarding these things we call estimates of giving. We have a few options for you to submit those. We have paper cards that look like this. You'll find them on the table as you exit. You're invited to fill that out today. Leave it in the basket at the door on your way out. You can also go to our website and submit yours electronically. You also have the option there of printing a card if you'd like to print it and return it to the church Now, I will tell you that um, Luke and I have submitted our commitment. We did ours online. It's very, very easy. And we're increasing our giving for 2022 because we believe in the work that God is doing here. Very much. And so I will tell you that we would love to have as many commitments as possible today. If not today, for sure by next Sunday. Because very practically, those commitments help us to plan the budget for 2022. So I want to show you a 